Welcome to ACOM Insight, the new weekly podcast about higher education by the Association of Independent Colleges and Universities in Massachusetts. This week, ACOM Senior Vice President and General Counsel Rob McCarran interviews Mary Beth Cooper, President of Springfield College. To begin, here's Rob McCarran. Hi, everyone. I am Rob McCarran, Senior Vice President and General Counsel at ACOM. Uh, happy 4th of July, uh, and thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of ACOM Insight, a podcast highlighting the people, policies, and programs associated with higher education in the Commonwealth. Today, I am joined by Mary Beth Cooper, president of Springfield College. Uh, Dr. Cooper has served as president of Springfield College since August of 2013, so coming up on, on seven years there. Uh, Before Springfield College, she served as Vice President for Student Affairs at Rochester Institute of Technology. Uh, And even though the job of college president is extremely uh, busy, especially these days, uh, Dr. Cooper finds time to volunteer and serve on the NACU Committee on Policy Analysis and Public Relations, as well as serving on the ACOM Board of Directors, uh, where she just completed uh, a term as board chair. My, it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Mary Beth Cooper to ACOM Insight. Thanks, Rob. I'm glad to be with you all today. Hope this finds you all healthy and taking good care of yourselves during this very volatile time. Thank you, indeed. And 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 I thought maybe we uh, we would start by um, uh, thinking about what uh, what the world looked like uh, looked like to us before uh, COVID nineteen, uh, when we were spending a lot of time working on on the issue of student athletes being able to benefit from the use of their own name, image, and likeness. Um, and Dr. Cooper, you currently serve on the NCAA Division III President's Council. And, and prior to COVID uh, disrupting um, the world of higher ed and, and everyone else, uh, there were a lot of policy cons- uh, changes concerning student athletes uh, that were being uh, looked at at, at Congress and the, at, by the NCAA and even state legislators. Um, can you update a little bit, of, uh, update us a little bit on the name, image, and likeness uh, conversation? Absolutely. Um, so you're correct. I do have a role with NCAA. I do serve on the President's Council and had the opportunity to serve on the group, the federal and state legislation group, looking at name, image, and likeness across all three divisions, Division One, Two, and Three and had the opportunity to be the Division Three presidential representative. And so I had a chance as we started our work last summer, which feels like it was a long time ago. You know, what are our students' rights and opportunities? And our student athletes were getting a message to us, as well as some of our federal and state um, representatives, that it wasn't fair that Division One, Two, and Three athletes were not given the same opportunities that non-student athletes were given. And so, in in fact, they felt a bit penalized. And so the conversation started as how do we ensure that student athletes have the same opportunities and experiences that non-student athletes have? And so that's really where the conversation started. It continues to get close to pay for play. Should your student athletes uh, reap the benefits of whatever contracts you may have and whatever television deals or sneaker deals you might have. And that's where the NCAA has really 
drawn the line and said, you know, this isn't pay for play. Division one athletes and division two athletes have scholarship opportunities. Uh, division three is a little bit cleaner. We don't have those same opportunities, but we want to be mindful of that we want to give student athletes a chance to promote their own athleticism, um, whether it be for promoting a book of poems that they've written or a song or something that other, as we know, other non-student athletes have the same opportunity. So in many ways, it was about um, leveling the playing field. Yes. And I, and I can recall, I think before, uh, you know, as we discussed before the disruptions caused by COVID, I think um, it was early February, you had a legislative breakfast with um, the legislators, uh, representatives and senators from the Springfield area. And this was very much an issue that, that they wanted to talk about and, and talk about how, um, uh, as you said, student athletes could be treated um, similar to non-athletes with respect to what they're able to do uh, with their name, image, and likeness. Um, and, um, and we had a, a, a webinar by one of our affiliate law firms also was focused very much on it. It was such a, uh, and will continue to be a big issue. And, and so I think you're, from a Division three perspective, um, you're, I think, in the process of thinking about what some guidelines might look like to try to provide that consistency between um, student athletes and non-athletes. And, and has there been any further progress on what those guidelines might look like? So we had um excellent point. And, and you're right. The world was somewhat interrupted in early March. We were moving along pretty, uh, pretty quickly and starting to articulate the differences between D1 and D2 and D3. For example, one of the examples that I use, um, one of the considerations that they're looking at is would you allow your student athletes to wear your brand, your athletic logo, the logo that you have for your college, if he or she was promoting, and I use the example for us, we have a student athlete that drinks pickle juice. Uh, he's a basketball player and a very good basketball player, but right before he goes on the court, he drinks a little container of pickle juice. And so that's an opportunity for the producers of that pickle juice to say, there's a correlation between how successful that player is and the pickle juice he consumes before he plays. And so could he be, could he do a commercial for the positive effects of pickle juice when you're playing basketball? It's probably some component of sodium uh, that, and what, you know, whatever else is in pickle juice that gives him, uh, right. Or, or maybe it's just one of those habits, right. That certain athletes have where they, tie their left shoe, then they put on the right shoe. I mean, they have you know, particular ways to approach the game of, of whatever sport they're playing. And so, you know, from my perspective, what's the college's involvement in that? So he gets an agent and he gets pickle juice for the rest of his life. But he says on, you know, some ad or some social media that one of the reasons that I play so well is because I consume this product. And where the NCAA is really trying to determine is, can he wear, for example, Springfield College athletic um, swag, if you will, or, or, or uh, one of our logo shirts when he does that? And should the college, now kind of reversing the tables, get some um, fee back from whatever money he makes? And so it has been, I would say, one of the more complex issues before the pandemic. We were all trying to determine, you know, if student athletes come to us with agents 
who interacts with the agents? You know, was it, would, it, would that be our compliance officers? Well, obviously, a small school like Springfield doesn't have the bandwidth to respond to agents. Um, and right, so it's been, uh, we're trying to, again, ensure that student athletes have the same benefits, but, you know, do you want them? And so there was a, a survey that went out to all the D3 presidents and talked about, you know, what brands, pickle juice is calm. You know, what if it's alcohol? What if it is uh, a product that you don't want aligned with your mission of your institution? Could you say, we don't want the brand um, at all compromised by the fact that the student's wearing a, a jersey, so to speak? Yeah, yeah and, and I know um, casinos are, are still new to Massachusetts, but there's one in Springfield. And so uh, similar to, you know, doing something related to alcohol, you know, there'd probably be a prohibition or a thought about prohibiting some sort of um, connection between the student athlete and gambling. Correct. Because you want, you uh, well, and then that's another whole issue. That's probably another yeah. podcast about betting and yes. betting on um, what happens during the game, before the game and after the game. And, you know, will that compromise what many of us believe is the true nature of collegiate sport, very different in terms of amateurism than pro athletes. And so in some ways, the pandemic has put a pause on much of this. um, And that's a good thing, right? So it gives us a little bit more time to problem solve. But nonetheless, we're going to have to address it. And this will come up at our annual conference in January, where each one of the divisions will vote on the conditions that they believe are um, most in line with the philosophy of D1, D2, and D3. Yeah, I, I do think, um, I think that's what I had read as well, that they were looking for uh, probably sometime in 2021 to come up with um, either name, image, and likeness legislation or some kind of uh, you know, guidelines from the NCAA on all, all Division One, Two, II, and Three, um, in order to obviate um, situation where individual states are doing different types of legislation so that it becomes kind of an, um, a really confusing um, mix-up of, of legislation that applies to one league and not another and, and really looking at that that at this from a kind of a solution from a national perspective. Correct. And I do think, you know, it's time for the NCAA, and I would say this um, as a member of the NCAA too, for us to modernize our rules. We have not looked at, you know, when many of these policies and practices were in place, Rob, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't social media and influencers and uh, all of the components that technology, you know, good and bad that have brought us. And so it's time for us as an organization to respond to that. Yeah. And that's the point you had made earlier, the fact that there, you know, you could have two students sitting in class and because one's a non-athlete is able to use social media in some way to uh, to benefit as a in, uh, endorser or somehow um, uh, monetize what they're doing, but uh, the, the student sitting next to them that happens to be an athlete is um, is prohibited from some from similar activities. Correct. And so, when you think about um, college athletics, and it is such a, a big part of, of um, when, when folks think about uh, colleges and universities in Massachusetts and across the country, and then the, the, the next question is, um, 
what will the fall look like? I mean, uh, Springfield College is a, is a member of the the new MAC, and which also includes colleges and universities who are uh, other colleges, universities who are members of ACOM. And so, what does the planning process look like for for the fall, given um, the reality that uh, we're all dealing still dealing with um, the disruptions of COVID? So, I think we're learning more and more. I, I would say every week, but really, it's every day. Um, and colleges wanted to um, kind of put a line in the sand and say if they were opening and most have come out and talked about their plans, not all, but most, and then if they were going to play sport. And so we, uh, we again, have an opportunity to participate in NUMAC. And also we have a lot of non-conference games as well. So we play outside of our conference, you know, especially for something like football or men's gymnastics. And so we are in the process with our athletic conference, NUMAC, determining what the protocol will be. What are the standards that we're going to expect if we're going to compete against another sport, another team? Um, we will want that college or university to have a similar approach to testing that we do. Uh, and so we are all sorting through that, I would say, daily uh, and trying to work closely with ACOM and, uh, and how with the systems we can set up in place. And so from my perspective, and as I've said to our athletic coaches, we've got 26 teams, we are going to play sport this fall. What it looks like will be dependent on other institutions and their protocol around testing. We will do it in the safest manner possible. We probably will not start our fall play until October. Uh, we're looking at a shortened season not necessarily, you know, so if we, in a, on a regular football schedule, let's say we play 10 to 12 games. Yeah. I imagine it'll be more like five to six. We will be traveling by bus. We will not be traveling by plane. Um, there'll be testing before the game and testing after the game. And so we're going to put as many controls in as possible to ensure their safety. But if institutions are following good protocol and testing, it should be kind of one bubble playing another bubble. Now, what you do about fans and parents and all the rest of that is decisions you have to make, I would say in the next two to three weeks. Some of our NUMAC members have elected not to play sport. Um, and some, you know, so if there are 11 institutions in NUMAC, four of us have said we want to play, three have said no, and the rest are on the fence. And so I'm imagining as they get more information, they'll make a decision about whether they're going to play or not. Yeah. And it, and it, what's interesting, and, and I guess taking a, a bit of a step back and just thinking about athletics more broadly is, and I think part of the process and, and thinking you just described is, is just what a big part athletics plays in, in the college experience generally. I mean, Springfield College is strongly associated with athletics, both throughout New England and nationally, thanks to your athletic-related academic programs, and you also happen to be um, in the birthplace of, of basketball. And so just generally the role of college athletics um, is important, and I know it's one that you think a lot about. I do, and I, I certainly was drawn to Springfield College for just that reason. You know, our mission statement is spirit, mind, and body in leadership and service to others, and we believe emphatically that sport is a major component in that, um, and it isn't necessarily it, that it's just sport, but it's physical activity. And I think students at a place like Springfield College, like many other four-year private institutions, long for an opportunity where they get to be a part of a team um, and they get a chance to 
be physical and, 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 and have the thrill of supporting each other. About 37% of our students are student athletes. Uh, many of them are on dual athletes, which was unusual for me coming from a school that didn't have that particular makeup. And I think for our students, they want some promise that we will continue to play and be physical in, in the positive way and taking care of ourselves in that manner. And so we yep. are committed to sport. Lots of great lessons come from sport in terms of being a team member and leading and being your best um, self. And so I think, especially in this time when people are isolated and it gives them something to work towards. No, I, I completely agree. And, and sometimes it's, um, it's hard to really appreciate something until, until it is gone. And, you know, you had student athletes in the spring, given, you know, the, the fact that colleges and universities had to close in, in order to um, respond to, to the, uh, the COVID outbreak. And, and a lot of um, seasons were, were, were gone and, and thinking about, you know, we haven't had baseball this summer and, and how it changes things. And just, as you said, the lessons you learn from it and, um, uh, you know, and how to be uh, those, how those lessons carry on um, throughout your career uh, after athletics. It's just such, it's such an important part of, of um, and why it is such a big part of, of uh, the college experience. So we do, um, we do hope that there is uh, athletics in the fall and that we do get, uh, you know, through the testing that you mentioned that we do get one day closer to um I think we're all aiming for uh, phase four of the um, higher ed reopening, which is uh, that we have a vaccine and treatment in place so that we can get back to um, to the new normal and particularly as it pertains to athletics. Um, so I think that's something we're all we're all striving to get to. Um, but um, I wanted to thank you for for taking the time, Dr. Cooper, for, for joining us this week and, and uh, for all that you've done for Acom. Um, uh, over the last year, when you as you when you served as our our board chair, and and uh, and look forward to um, continuing that work going forward. I do as well, Rob. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about it. Uh, again, I'm very hopeful for the fall, and we will continue to kind of march forward and take good care of our students, faculty, and staff, uh, and get back to whatever. It's not. It's going to be a new normal. It won't be what we experienced last fall, but. No, I have hope that we'll get there and we'll do the right thing to make sure that people do it safely. Yeah, completely agree. And I think with your leadership, we will get there. So um, really appreciate it and, and look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Thanks for the time, Rob. Thank you, Dr. Cooper. Be well. You too. Thank you for listening to Acom Insight. We will be back with a new episode next week. Be sure to listen and share.